Hello, and welcome to the MS for Mama podcast. I'm your host, Abby Halberstadt, happy wife, mama to 10, Bible-believing Christian. And on today's podcast, we're going to talk about thankfulness and gratitude and how to do that even when you don't feel like it. But before we get started, I want to highlight our brand new podcast sponsor, Milk and Honey Jewelry. It's a small family-owned business that is run by two mamas and several other Christian women that work with them. And they have such a unique and cool idea. They allow you to create beautiful keepsake jewelry that encapsulates your breast milk or formula to commemorate that time you spent feeding your baby. And they have multiple items. So if you have multiple babies and want multiple memories to keep and wear and enjoy, you can do that. I loved the idea, but I wondered, what does this jewelry look like? Guys, it's gorgeous. Very elegant, very classic, um, beautiful, long-lasting pieces that I think you're going to enjoy for many years to come. They also have a DIY kit that you can order and you only need about a teaspoon of breast milk or formula to put inside the jewelry. It looks like a white stone, almost pearlescent, like an opal inside gold jewelry. It's really just, I, I gasped when I saw how beautiful the jewelry was. So that should tell you something. You can order at www.milkandhoney.jewelry and you can use the code ABBY. A-B-B-I-E for 15% off your order. If you order that DIY kit by December 15th, you should get it in time for Christmas. If that's something that you want to give as a gift or to do for yourself, check it out. So as I mentioned, I want to talk about gratitude today, and I don't do a lot of thematic podcasts. You're not necessarily going to hear me talking about Christmas at Christmas time every single time, although who knows, I may this year. Um, but I really felt like this was a timely theme for me because so much of the time, and I've told you guys this before, that I am preaching to myself when I am encouraging you guys to dig deep into God's word, encouraging you to cast all your cares upon him, encouraging you to view your children as a blessing, because that's how the Bible views them. That's how God thinks of children. And that's our goal is to align ourselves with his truth and his word. And so I have to remind myself of this. I'm not immune to those moments of self-pity, days of self-pity, moments of irritation, and feeling personally offended by my family doing things that feel like they're getting in my way or making my life harder or whatever narrative we tend to um, to flip to so easily when we're down and out or we haven't had enough sleep and Gratitude is not where we usually go. It's not where I usually go. It's not like I want to wake up on a day when I feel foggy brained and in pain like I did this morning and say, Lord, thank you so much for this back pain. Thank you so much that it's actually worsened instead of getting better. And I know I've talked about this a little bit because it's just kind of a piece of my life and I'm sharing as authentically as I can with you guys. But if you're if you're thinking, man, Abby, get that checked out. I promise I am. I promise we are taking strides to take care of it. But it's just been a process. Back pain is a really weird thing. It's hard to even when you know the diagnosis from an MRI, know exactly how to deal with it, what steps to take. So when I woke up this morning, a couple of days before Thanksgiving, on my 13-year-old daughter's birthday, so Della's birthday is today. By the time you guys have this posted, it will be tomorrow. Like I said, we have a really quick podcast episode turnaround around here. That's how we roll. Um, and so was I excited that I basically couldn't walk, that I was shuffling along? Was I giving thanks to the Lord for that? Or was I instead thinking things like, Lord, this is a day when I have business things to do. I have a podcast to record. I have a daughter to celebrate. I was going to make her cinnamon rolls and I was having trouble standing 
much less walking back and forth and making food. And Sean came to save the day and went and got cinnamon rolls from the donut shop instead and got pigs in a blanket and chocolate milk and all the good stuff. And I had already done this prep. I had bought ingredients. I had prepped for doing this and I just wasn't physically capable this morning. And I didn't feel super grateful for that. And I think that that in and of itself makes sense. And that if we were going around doing, you know, toe touches and high fives over the fact that we are physically diminished or struggling mentally or know someone who is that it's weighing heavily on our hearts, like that wouldn't make much sense. So what does the Bible mean when it talks about rejoicing in all things? How are we supposed to be grateful for those times when we're struggling? How do we translate that? Even if we do know that we should do this in our heads, from our minds to our hearts and our emotions that then can flow out of us into the way that we express ourselves to other people and the way that we set an example for our children. It's not a simple answer. And I got a message from someone who's doing the gentleness challenge. Um, and if you have never heard about that before, that is a challenge that I came up with back when I was postpartum with Shiloh and dealing with postpartum rage and all kinds of wonky emotions and hormones. And it was something the Lord really challenged me to do to say, you can go 30 days without saying something um, rude or unkind or snippy, or at least you can make that a goal. And even if you don't do it perfectly, you can repent and start over right that very second, not even the next day, not even wait for the new morning mercies, but instead to accept God's mercies right then and there and say, maybe I didn't do this perfectly. Maybe I sinned in this moment, but I don't, I'm not a slave to sin any longer. And I don't want to go on sinning so that grace will increase by no means. I am accepting the grace of God, but not wallowing in it, so to speak. I am grateful for it, but I am not taking advantage of it. And this person messaged me about the gentleness challenge because I've written an ebook since I wrote um, the, since I did the challenge originally started a, a, a social media account with it and had thousands of people join that thousands of people asking me for more resources. So I wrote a chapter about it in Emma's for Mama. And then I wrote an ebook about it, which gives you a day by day breakdown for those 30 days with scripture and encouragement and ways to um, work with an accountability partner to do it. And so someone messaged me and said, I'm doing this gentleness challenge with some friends. And I had a question for them and they encouraged me to ask you and listen, I can't always answer all of the individual questions. Sometimes I'm able to create the resource that's for people out there that I will never get to answer their questions. And I would love to answer every single question, but sometimes it's not, it's not possible. But I did see hers and I thought that I would address it. And then I feel like it's a great segue into kind of what the Lord was poking at me to say today to you and to myself. And she said, I don't always feel very grateful or like I want to speak kindly to my kids or like I'm in the best mood. And so is it faking it? Is it false when your emotions are not happy, when you don't feel gentle, when you don't feel like um, you want to say kind words, instead you want to spit nails at your children because, man, they are really getting on your last nerve, you know? And I think we can all relate at some point or another. And let me just say this. I always give this caveat because there's going to be that mama that's listening that has a really compliant, easygoing, cheerful personality for a child um, or in her child. And she's going to be thinking, you know, I just don't ever feel this way. And so much of the time, what I hear from those mamas that maybe have that first child who might be a little com more compliant, um, that's not always the case, but if they do, they say, then I had another. <laughs> and I realized that it wasn't so much that I was so patient. 
It was that the Lord had not tested my patience to its limit yet. And so if, if you're not relating yet to the idea of kind of feeling like a kid is getting on your last nerve, even if you already are a mama, then um, I don't mean it in a doomsday kind of way. When I say that that moment will probably come, this is not a just you wait until you get your comeuppance. But I do want to encourage you that it's a good thing. When the Lord gives us challenges in our children, it's a good thing when we come to our limits and realize, oh, I thought I was just so good at this, but really my buttons just had not been pushed yet. So she was talking about her buttons being pushed and feeling like emotionally when she was speaking these kind words, kind of woodenly, mechanically to her children, that she didn't really mean them. And what I said to her was so much of the time I find that it is not the emotions that lead my actions, but rather my actions that lead my emotions. And what I mean by that is this, I may feel righteously angry, so to speak. There's air quotes around that. I'm not truly righteously angry. There are times when we are righteously angry, but very rarely is it because we find like cracker crumbs in our bed because our toddler hid there and ate all the Ritz crackers. And now we have to sweep out our bed when we're tired at night. Very rarely is it because the toilet is backed up that we feel righteously angry. Very rarely is it that our child is having trouble with scientific notation and we don't have the patience to explain it for the 14th time that we feel righteously angry. Most of those times we feel that we might be being righteously angry. But then when we examine it more closely, it's more like my comfort is being threatened. My feelings of ease and like things should be going my way are being taken away from me. And I don't like it. Like that's, that's really what it boils down to. So if that is what is leading my actions, then my actions are going to be short tempered and impatient and self-focused. But if instead I am able to preach to myself, what is right and good and true and that is that I am supposed to be completely humble and gentle, bearing with one another in love. I can't be that. I'm, I'm a human. I'm no longer a slave to sin, but I still am going to battle with my sin. I'm going to say with Paul the things that I want to do are not the things that I do. The things that I don't want to do are the things that I end up doing. Oh, who can save me? What a wretched man am I? The answer is Jesus, and he is saving us and sanctifying us every hour of every day. He has already saved us. His work on the cross is done. I don't want to imply that he just keeps saving us over and over again, but he does keep sanctifying us. And so I told that mama that I am way less concerned with my emotions, with my feelings, not because they're all invalid or they're all coming from places of sin or anything like that, but because even though some of them are quite understandable, they have to be taken into submission under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I, my goal is to take every thought captive and give it to the Lord and say, I don't even know if this thought is true. This is just what my feelings are telling me. Please teach me what is true and train my actions to lead my emotions. So if I can say I'm supposed to be completely humble and gentle, I don't feel humble or gentle right now. And yet I can choose to bite my tongue. I can choose to go outside and take a lap instead of losing my temper. I can choose to praise the good that I do see instead of the um, lack that I'm not seeing, meaning I would love to see more organization, more follow through, more ability to step up to the plate and notice when things need doing, um, less selfishness, all those things. Maybe I'm not seeing those things. Maybe there's just this hole and I could focus on that. And I do guys, it is not my forte to forego an opportunity to give constructive criticism. However, and I don't think that constructive criticism is bad. However, if we are able to say, I will focus right now as a conscious choice, as unto the Lord, 
to give thanks for this thing that is happening, to give thanks for that moment of sweetness that I did see, to give thanks for the progress, however small that I'm noticing, then often I will find that my pulse starts slowing, my brain starts clearing as I make those conscious choices, as I take deep breaths in through my nose, out through my mouth, praying all the time, Lord, help me to be calm. Help me to show them who you are. Help me to manifest your peace and your joy and your goodness that your Holy Spirit gives me that I don't have on my own. As I do those things, I often find that my emotions come into line, that I start to feel more peace, that I start to feel more joy, that I really do feel a little more gentle, that I'm not as personally offended. So when we're talking about gratitude, it's not necessarily the same thing as the gentleness challenge, certainly. But this quote pulled me up short today, and I wanted to share it with you because I felt like it it pretty succinctly encapsulated what the Lord has been teaching me during a season of pain, of frustration, of some disappointment at circumstances in my life, not going quite like I want them to. Um, and it's by Charles Spurgeon, and it says, here is a standing reason for Thanksgiving. Although we may not always be healthy, that's where I am right now, nor always prosperous, yet God is always good. And therefore, there is always a sufficient argument for giving thanks unto Jehovah, that he is a good God, essentially, that he cannot be otherwise than good, should be a fountain out of which the richest praises should perpetually flow. I don't know if you're as convicted by that as I am, but in reading that, I discover that so often my view of whether God is good or not is dependent upon how well he is, quote unquote, treating me in that moment, how much my circumstances align with my hopes for my circumstances. And instead of praising him because he is always good and being grateful that the creator of the universe and the sustainer of the universe is always good and is upholding us with his righteous right hand, I am asking him, Lord, why? Why would you do it this way? Why the back pain now? Why are things so backed up with our renovation that we won't be in for Christmas? Now, let me caveat that with saying that I really haven't had an expectation of getting in by a certain date, but I think latently in my mind somewhere there was this hope that we would be back in our home by Christmas. Our house flood happened in August. That was a long time ago. Surely, you know, three, four and a half months would be enough time. And I really just don't see it happening with the way that um, construction crews tend to work and holiday slowdowns and people that aren't going to want to work during Christmas or or around that time. And I understand, you know, I, I, I relate to that strongly of wanting that time of rest but here we are with delays already, and I just don't think it's going to happen. And I have to just preach to my heart like the Lord is good. Christmas time is not some sort of holy grail that makes it, um, you know, okay to be snitty about your plans not going your way. So he really has given me a lot of peace in that. It's more just mild disappointment. But that's that's just something that I have to be honest with you, that I have to bring under the microscope of scripture and say, is there something in this situation, even if it's not what I would prefer, that means that God is not good. And if I'm being honest, the answer is no, there's nothing about the situation, not going down the path that I want that takes away the goodness of God. And so I really appreciate that encouragement from Spurgeon to say that we should be rejoicing in the goodness of God, less so the ease of our circumstances.
In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says to give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. How many times have we wondered what God's will is for us? And yet we ignore those specific verses in the Bible that say, this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. We are busy fretting about things not going our way and complaining and critiquing and trying to finagle and, and mold things to our own preferences. And we are ignoring that the Bible says, give thanks in all circumstances. So how do we do that? I think it comes back around to that Spurgeon quote. If I can't give thanks that my circumstances are what they are, or if I'm struggling to do that at the very least, if I haven't gotten to the point of saying, thank you, Lord, that my back pain happened and increased today for whatever purpose you have for that, because I don't know what it is. We can at least say, thank you, Lord, that you are always good and that you are Lord of the circumstances, whether I like them or not, that you have a plan and a purpose, that you are so clear in your word that you work all things together for good for those who are called to you and who love you and are called according to your purposes. So I'm not being trite because I am going through things right now personally that I would prefer to be different. I am simply saying in the face of hard relationships, I have some of those right now. I would encourage you to find the thing that you are able to genuinely be thankful for. I was just talking to a dear, dear friend the other day who mentioned that someone very close to her in her life had been very hurtful to someone else that she loves a whole lot. And the Lord had taught her through the years that instead of focusing on the ways in which this person that was close to her relationally, but not close to her emotionally, had hurt the person that she loved most, she instead chose to, so not focusing on those, she instead chose to say, what are some things this person has done that have positively affected this person I love most. And I'm being intentionally vague because I don't want to give away specific circumstances or betray a confidence. So if you're having trouble following this, I apologize. But she ended up saying, what I noticed was this person that was a source of stress and sadness to me, that was also a source of stress and sadness to this dear one to me, had also given good examples in other things they'd done. So in speaking to that person, that's what I chose to focus on. Thank you for being a good example in this. Listen, guys, if your toes are curling or this rankles your soul a little bit to think about praising someone without also acknowledging their faults, I want to encourage you that the Lord is a just judge and that he will fight for us and that it's actually not our job to make sure that everybody else knows the things that we're disappointed in them for or the ways that they have failed or hurt us. Yes, there are appropriate times to bring up to a fellow believer or even to a non-believer ways that they have um, that they have done us wrong and that discussions can happen. But if we, I heard this quote the other day and I hope I don't botch it, but it was kind of the idea of you've got to stop letting other people's behavior determine your ability to be joyful or to live your life well. You already have a savior and it's not them. So I think my friend was exemplifying that perfectly. She wasn't making her ability to feel joyful around this person dependent upon their treating her or this other loved one well. Instead, she was saying, I know they have faults in this area and I'm going to recognize those. I'm not going to pretend like they don't exist. I'm simply going to make this conscious choice again, a choice that is then followed by the emotions rather than being led by the emotions to say, I'm grateful for these things that you do well, 
we're just going to leave these other things to the Lord. And she said it changed her attitude toward this person from one of resentment and from taking up an offense for this other loved one. Instead, to say, hey, they have some good qualities and I can take those good qualities and then let the rest of it go. Even though it was significant, even though it has caused hurt, again, I'm trusting myself to a just judge. The Bible talks about how Jesus, when he was reviled, did not revile in turn, but trusted himself to a just judge, his father, who always judges rightly. So while this may seem like a tangent when we're talking about gratitude, I think some of the main things that keep us from being grateful are feeling like we have been wronged, feeling like our circumstances are unfair, feeling like our circumstances have not met our expectations, and yet we are still commanded to be joyful. We are still commanded to give thanks. We are still commanded to rejoice in all things, knowing that God is sovereign and that he is good. So this is coming from a a person who does not do this well all the time. A person who was holding back tears this morning of frustration and disappointment that I was not able to walk around freely. Um, I am currently riding the wave of some ibuprofen and Tylenol combo that I don't normally take. I very rarely take pain medication. I just try to keep that to a minimum if I can function. And because I was not functioning this morning, that's where I am now. And so I find myself grateful for these little pills that I don't take very often and that are coming in to help me be able to sit in this chair without um, crying (laughs) and to take my daughter to lunch um, and be able to walk there and back that are going to keep me going until I get to the chiropractor this afternoon and we're able to continue figuring out a course of treatment. If you've ever read the Psalms, you know that David was often discouraged. You know that he often cried out to the Lord in despair and frustration, that he was upset when things were not going well and that his enemies seemed to be prospering when he was sinking. And yet the Lord is enough for all of those cries while at the same time providing us with rock solid principles that will never fail us. If we are willing to lean into his strength and his joy and his ability to lift us up out of the mire, instead of assuming that we've got to do it all ourselves. I mean, if that's the case, we truly are sunk. Praise the Lord that he is able to give us the feelings, to give us the um, just ability to keep going. And that when we are interacting with people, this Thanksgiving inevitably that maybe bring up those, those rankled offenses and clenched teeth and hunched shoulders to our ears and tense backs that we can remind ourselves that there is something good in them because they are an image bearer of a good God who never changes, who is always faithful and who will always Give us just what we need at the moment that we need it to be able to say, thank you, Lord, that you never leave me or forsake me. Thank you, Lord, that you are here in this moment. Thank you, Lord, that when I am weak, you are strong. If you enjoy the MS for Mama podcast, I would be so honored if you would subscribe and follow along, maybe share with friends or even leave a review. And if you want more content on motherhood and biblical responses to cultural issues, be sure to follow along on Instagram at m.is.4.mama.